Occasionally, myself and our coaching staff at DadStartingOver.com, we run into a client who has issues that go beyond the scope of coaching. They may have really severe anxiety, depression, suicidal ideation, and this is the point where our coaches stop and say, have you spoken to a therapist? What a lot of these men say is, I've looked into it, not a lot of options in my area, it can't work with my schedule, or I have an appointment schedule, but I can't get in for another four months. In other words, the need is there. They recognize the need. They see the value in the therapy, but the options for getting the therapy are extremely limited in their area. Well, thanks to our friends at BetterHelp.com, there is an option for you. BetterHelp is a unique service that allows you to talk to a licensed therapist from your area via your telephone or your computer. You can do voice chat with them if you wish. You can email back and forth. You can text with them all on your time schedule, all from the convenience of your phone or your computer. So check it out at betterhelp.com DSO. That's betterhelp.com DSO and get 10% off your first month of service with BetterHelp. from dadstartingover.com and our guest today is Dr. Samantha Rodman Whiten. She is a clinical psychologist in a private practice and the founder of drpsychmom.com. You can listen to her podcast, The Dr. Psych Mom Show, where she discusses parenting and relationships and everything in between, right? Yes, thank you so much for having me. Yeah, well, thank you for being on here. Um this is a real treat for me because I love your stuff. I love your content. And uh, I always tell people I've interviewed a lot of authors and podcast hosts and stuff. And I always start with how I found you. Just so you know, I'm sure that's of interest to you as a business sure. person. Sure. But um, whether you know it or not, but I'm sure you got a feel for it. You have a pretty big male audience. Yes, that is something and I'm proud of. You have tapped into something. We've had a, another young lady on here named Suzanne Venker, who has another popular podcast. And um, why she and why you are so popular is because of your, oh, I don't know if politically incorrect is the right term or not. Honest, um, no holds barred, no BS kind of approach to all of this. And you're not afraid to say the, the common oh, male perspective on things. And guess what? It's not so bad. It's just, it is what it is. And you know, there's two sides to the coin and two sides to the relationship. And a lot of guys hear that and go, oh, and the fact that it's coming from a woman makes them doubly go, oh, now I'm going to really pay attention. It's funny. I've, I've noticed that when, um, on my podcast, I can see, and you know, you can see the stats of what are downloaded, what's the most popular. Two most popular things are if I mention anything about old SEX, like it's a lot of downloads. And if my wife is on the podcast. <laughs> Men love to hear the woman's perspective on things. That's true. So you have very much tapped into something. So anyway, um, we have our DSO fraternity group, which is our members only group. And guys on there talk. We have um, online discussion forums. And guys get on there and talk. And they often say, what book is good to read? What podcast is good to listen to? And it seems to be trends. Suzanne Venkers was the big one. G.S. Youngblood's book was huge. Now yours is the podcast du jour. Everyone oh, is talking cool. about and linking to Dr. Psych Mom. Wow. So there you go. Yeah, I see that there's 
Yeah, I see there's different stats on the blog is like uh, 60 or 70% women that read that or, or more, but the podcast is like more men. I think that men like podcasts more than reading the articles. I think maybe on the commute or I don't really know when, but it seems like they like it a lot more. Um, the good. feedback I get from everyone is um, I read your or I listened to your book on Audible because I put out books. And they all and it's men love Audible. They love the audio and they love the podcast. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So, some don't even know that I have actual text articles on the website. It's just a foreign concept to them. They don't have time. They don't go search it out. They, they're in their car all day, yeah. back and forth with the commute. A lot of truckers listen to it. So yeah, yeah. yeah it's, audio that. is very huge for men. Audio is huge. Well, here's yeah. the struggle. Um, this is a good struggle, by the way. Sure. This topic is the way to try to encompass what it is that I talk about on my website and podcasts and so forth. I say everything kind of relationshipy and men. So we talk about sex and marriage and divorce and yeah. dating and everything else. Well, a common speech I give to guys that I talk to one-on-one -on -one, guys pay me for my time to talk to me is, um, same. Yeah. There you go. <laughs> Yours is in a far more professional context. Um, <laughs> is I, these guys will tell me, let's say a common thing is, well, I caught my wife having an affair. We had, you know, two years of dead bedroom before that. I don't know where to go, what to do. And I say, well, dude, here's the problem. We have an hour and there's about a thousand different avenues we can go down. We could go down what got you to this mess to begin with, why your wife's doing what she's doing, what to do after divorce, et cetera, et cetera. Let's try to condense as much as we can in an hour. So you and I could talk about a myriad of things for hours and hours. So I thought, let's try to condense as much as we can. And you know, jumping on that whole thing about what's the most popular topic, the old SEX, why don't we talk about sex and marriage? Go for um, it. But even that, when you think about, well, shit, we could go down about eight different roads there. <laughs> Just talking about sex and marriage. So where to begin? And I thought, a let's talk about a controversial statement that I have said, and I've heard your stuff, and I've read your stuff, and I know you also say this, and we're not alone in this, but it's still, when I verbalize it, it makes a lot of eyes open wide and ears perk up, and men say, oh, okay, that's new, and that is this. When in the confines of a long-term monogamous relationship... You should have sex even when you don't want to? Is that what you're going to say? No. no. <laughs> that is... It is that the female libido, for lack of a better word, sexual desire, uh, well, let's put it this way. When you're in the, the honeymoon stage and you're just getting to meet and you really click with a person, that is the knob is turned up to 11, right? You're like, yeah. you're both just Yahoo. And then after being with each other for, maybe you can maintain that for a period of years and then you cohabitate and that knob gets slowly turned down a little bit. And then you say, will you marry me? And the knob gets slowly turned down a little bit more. Then you get married and it goes down a little bit more. Then you have kids. And for some people that just slams all the way down to zero. Sure. And a lot of men interpret this as, oh, wonderful. The old bait and switch. When she got me, when she had me, as soon as she realizes I'm a safe and secure, I'm not going anywhere thing. She, whew, she can stop playing the act. And I always say to guys, no, it's not necessarily what's happening here. What's happening here is that within the confines of a traditional long-term monogamous relationship, sexual desire within women tends to go down. Certainly. You say certainly, but there's a large swath of people. I don't talk to as many people anymore because, um, you know, 
being as I have all of this stuff out, most of the people that are my clients have read my stuff, so they're at least familiar with this. So I rarely get the novice like, oh, I wonder why in my monogamous relationship my wife doesn't want to sleep with me. I don't usually get that as much, but I mean, I do um, obviously talk to other people that aren't my clients. And yeah, I guess if you um, are expecting that it's going to maintain, then it would be seen as a bait and switch. And I have seen that um, people think like that before. Obviously, that's crazy because, like, women are not some sort of sociopathic, manipulative, like, witches that are planning, especially nowadays. I mean, I have so many clients out earning their husbands, you know? So, like, what exactly would they be bait and switching them for, you know? Like, it doesn't even make any sense, really. But that is, of course, men can't understand it because their libido, although it's not the same as it was in the honeymoon stage, it doesn't, like, die, you know, like yes. it's still alive. So they, yeah. they just can't understand it. So they're trying to make sense of it, you know. Yeah. And the only thing they could think of is there must be some sort of deception. And so then this begs the question, if we can get people to agree, like, okay, this is just a natural state within this. Well, then that what that does is, I guess a lot of women, what, what they don't appreciate is how crucial sex is for men at a very visceral, almost animalistic level, but also at a bonding with your partner level. We just really feel very disconnected if there's no physical intimacy there. Um, I guess to hear somebody say, you know, when you get married, that's probably that knob's probably gonna get turned down. And in some women, it goes all the way down to zero and it's gonna take some work to crank that up a little bit at a time. A lot of men throw their hands up and say, what exactly am I getting married for then? Um, which is kind of like to a lot of women, like, Jesus, are you saying sex is it then for you? I mean, come on. To which a lot of guys go, it's about 95% of it, to be quite honest with you. And uh, I wrote a book called The Dead Bedroom Fix, which is the, the reason a lot of guys find me is because they read that book. And it's all about you're a man and you're a long-term relationship and sex has gone on the toilet. Oh, what now? Right. So it's a huge issue. And I didn't even go, I've self-published the thing and I've sold six figure copies of this thing. This is a huge topic for a lot of people, for a lot of men in particular. Um, it's very, very crucial. So begs the question then, all right, I'm a dude. I've resigned myself to the fact that this is normal. This is natural. This is arguably a healthy thing that I'm seeing here. It's not necessarily unhealthy, horrible thing. How best to navigate this? Um, you talk about, hey ladies, um, many of you have what's called responsive desire. Once you get going, you're like, oh, now I remember why we did this and why I love this man and why I married him and everything. I get it. This is great. Um, what I have seen is, oh, boy, are women very, very resistant to that. Yes, because yeah. there's a whole culture that that would be non-consensual in some way. Bingo. And that's all based Bingo. on not understanding biology and kind of a real close-minded yeah. uh, almost like victim centric kind of approach to it where like mm -hmm. if a woman doesn't want it so much then she shouldn't do it you know but then what do you do when that comes up against like the hard stop of she's never gonna want it that much <laughs> like she's never gonna have the spontaneous desire like ever possibly again so in that case what do they do you know and so a lot of people just stop having sex if they're going by what the woman says or they stop having sex unless when she's ovulating or who the hell knows but um yeah so that would be 
kind of education about how female biology works is really a paramount um, focus in couples counseling, especially if if people are both open to any couples counseling that involves sex. And mm. when they're not, then that's usually a big waste of time if the couples yeah. counseling does not involve sex and education about these sorts of matters. But even you still, know, all the education doesn't help if the woman is still has her mind closed to that idea. Yes. I shouldn't have to, which I say to people, um, she's right. She doesn't have to do anything. It's her body. It's her brain. She doesn't want to do anything she doesn't have to. For goodness right, sake, she's not going to hold a gun to the woman's head. Bingo. Thank you very much. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it's a two-way street. Well, that's fine. And you could part as friends, shake hands and say, we had a great chapter in our life. It was wonderful. But I could see that you're not willing to work or even break down any of those barriers between the two of us. Um, I have some men that I talk to where the women are so detached that it's they've jumped right past the sex thing in any kind of intimacy period is just off the table. Um, because if you ask the woman, it's because, well, cause I know where that's going to lead. Right. Um, as soon as uh, I know he wants to take me out to dance and, and go to the movies and et cetera, et cetera. But I know as soon as we get home and I know he, he got us a hotel for the weekend away from the kids because I told him it's just being around these kids. I, you know, it just takes my mind out of it. I can't get to that head right, space. And she and so says, forth. Oh, you're only taking me somewhere to have sex. And so, then so at some point you have to, situation. exactly. So at some point the woman's going to have to say, it's a little bit of effort on my part. Um, I recognize that I'm responsive in nature. Let's see what happens now. Yes. Or of mm. course, I'm certainly not interested in this man at all anymore, if I'm honest with myself, and therefore I'm going to go let him live his best life, and me too. It was funny, like when I was doing couples counseling in COVID, there was women that were so happy when one of them had COVID. They could quarantine. <laughs> they didn't have to think about it, because wow. for two weeks, he wasn't going to want to touch her, not talk to her, not have, like, only through text, really, oh, not kiss her. I mean, if that's the case where you, if you feel like that, then it begs the question, as you just say a what lot. What are you doing? Yeah, yeah, what are you doing being married? What are you doing with this man? Um, you know, I always say the ideal relationship is one that starts with a holy shit level of attraction and over-the-top sexuality between the two of you. It has to start at that pinnacle of the, the top of the mountain because it's slowly going to be chipping its way down as time and stress and everything. Yeah. So can you imagine if you start somewhere in the middle of that mountain, it's just it's right. down the toilet from there. So it surprises me how many men I talk to when I say, did you go ever go through a really hot and heavy phase in your relationship? And they say, not really. And they don't no. see it's a red flag at the time because Thank some you. of them yeah. are very brainwashed to think that. In fact, I've even heard men say, I thought it was good because if it was just up to me, we would be fucking all the time. So, um, you know, she just bring, brought out other things in me. And I thought that was really sweet. She had her mind on other things and we were going to be well-rounded. You know, and they don't that, see it. So that's why education yeah. for young men is incredibly important in, in addition to women. You know, like everybody, yeah. both genders, all ages. That she is the yin to my yang. She's the softer, right. mm -hmm. more sedate. She, You know, she, I'm the bull in the china shop and I have to be tamed. Right. And uh, it, that's kind of that's in the vernacular for a lot of families. When are you going to settle down, young man? And yeah. stop dating all these floozies and get you a good girl and right. settle down and have some kids. Um it's funny. So we could go on to 
I guess a, a good route for the conversation would be then what is the, if you're talking to a man and he says, I'm, I'm in my early 20s and I'm ready to start finding a wife to be. Great. What are you looking for? Well, obviously, very important part of it is sexual chemistry long term between the two of us. So how do we as men make sure that we find a good partner who's going to be receptive to the fact that, hey, this honeymoon phase isn't forever. It's going to take some work down the line. Do we in turn, is it important to look at her mom and dad, for example, the, the wife to be's mom and dad, look at their relationship because that was the model for what she saw growing up. Well, to some degree, yes, but it's more important than anything for you to look for an open-minded partner, and that goes for both genders. So, for example, there's many women that come from a very dysfunctional family of origin, but then they have thought about that, and they have said, I don't want that, and so maybe they've gone to therapy, or they've read books, and they've thought, how do I stop myself from becoming that? Yes. So, the, if even if she has like a happy, affectionate um family, parents, but she's never thought about that, that isn't a good sign because who knows? She could be wired real differently from her mother physically, you know, or it's a different generation where women no longer are supposed to have sex, you know? And so, I mean, that's like for, I'm not half, I'm not even joking. And so like it really, the primary um, trait that I would say underlies real happy partnerships is open-mindedness like you want a partner that's open to new ideas because she's not even going to believe you if you say that her sexual desire is going to attenuate over time she's not experienced that in her 20s or whatever second marriage maybe she has but in first marriage certainly not but somebody who's generally introspective and open-minded will be able to process new ideas as they come and to hold them in consciousness, whereas somebody yeah. who's very rigid. The rigidity, mm -hmm. honestly, more than lack of sex, the reason that I see men leave their wives, um, I mean, obviously, as you know, as you say, most uh, women initiate divorce, and you link to that a lot. But the, when I do see men that do, it's... Some of it is lack of sex, but a lot of it is because the woman's just too anxious and rigid. Yep. Like they just got too sick of it. They didn't want their kids to be raised like that either. And that closed mindedness is just like they cannot deal with that wall that's up like a hard stop for everything that they suggest in bed yeah. or out of bed. Yeah, it's a, a common scenario amongst my readers is they read my book and they will go on this big self-improvement journey right. um, because a lot of men have... Men are very good from what I've seen. Maybe I'm a little biased and that this is my audience, but they're very good about recognizing, oh, wow, I've really dropped the ball in this relationship. I've gained 60 pounds. I've become this pushover Mr. Nice Guy. I've, I have no leadership qualities anymore, et cetera, et cetera. Well, obviously, my wife's kind of not very attracted to me in that way. Of course, she's not going to want to break down those walls between the two of us. So I'm going to do my part. So they do their part. And then months, if not years down the line, they go, you know, my wife, she's kind of an anxious loser. <laughs> and they hate yeah, to say that. Is, yeah, this is kind of what happens. And it happens, of course, in the in gender inverse as well. Like I have a oh, lot yeah. of women working on themselves in therapy. Really what it most happens with, with men, it's more the physical. They'll go on the journey of self-improvement. I'm going to become a triathlete. I'm going to drop all this weight. I'm going to start playing tennis all the time. Why is my wife just sitting on the couch? For women, it's more like, who am I really? Do I want a career change? Like uh, I've thought about becoming, you know, a different religion, like whatever. And the man is like, why would we do that? We're fine. So like I think that each gender yeah. can be more closed-minded in like its own mm -hmm. way. 
But this closed-mindedness is frequently the proximal cause for divorce. When one yeah. person is open-minded and the other person's closed-minded. You know, it's interesting that you just you get, and I agree, that's probably uh, um, the majority of situations are like what you said. Why can't you man come over to me more on the, on the emotional side of things and et cetera? I've seen the opposite quite a bit here where, um, and I can speak from personal experience, where women will be, I'm going to join a CrossFit gym. I don't know if you're familiar with the CrossFit yeah. world. Yep. I don't know what that is, what's going on there, but uh, <laughs> it's one of, there's several things that I often joke about. Boy, I hear this a lot. One of the things is my wife likes horses. I don't know why that leads to a lot of drama, but it does. Horsewomen, I don't know. Uh, my wife's a nurse and my wife is into CrossFit. Um, it seems to be lots of hot people. You show up there and you're bonding with the same hot people every week. You're all cheering each other on. This is there probably the exact, um, you know, stars aligning for any sort of stepping out, you know? Yeah. Here's a woman who says, I'm tired of being sick and tired. Um, and the, her friend says, come to this group. There's no, there's no judgment. There's no anything. You feel safe there. And she's slowly losing 10, 20, 30, 40 pounds. And she feels great. And she's surrounded by all these winners who are all and there at five in the morning. Her husband. Yep. And, and then she comes home the to Mr. Frumpy guy. Yeah. yeah. But what I've seen though, is the kind of the gender flip. That's kind of a, for lack of a better term, kind of a masculine trait. I'm going to work on my body and build it up and so forth. And these men will be, yes, but can we go to marriage counseling? Can we talk about this? I read this book the other day, and the, a lot of men are very big on pushing this, the thing they just learned to the wife. Listen to this podcast I just heard the other day. Watch yeah, this YouTube video, and the wife's like, can we just stop with the constant trying to work on the relationship? Jesus. Sure. I think that yeah. we're both seeing, like, there's just kind of 50% of the world is closed-minded, 50% is open, and then you're getting most of the men, and I'm getting kind of both. A there lot you go. Of women. You know, I mean, it's just, it, it's, it's same. Like so many of my women clients and my men clients, both of them are like, I tried to send my spouse your article on, you know, responsive desire, but you know, they never read it. They never wrote back to me, like all these wasted emails. That's half the reason I did my podcast. Cause I'm like, well, maybe you could play it for your husband, you know, in the car, like maybe you could play it for your wife. Some people do. Mm -hmm. I mean, I'm sure it's considered very passive aggressive to play my podcast, but yeah. Yeah. <laughs> well, because if you're the if you're the low libido partner, which in, from what I've seen tends to be the woman, not always, of course, but tends to be um, everything that we just talked about is all about. Oh, here we go again. Here comes Mr. Trying to get in my pants again after I just got done telling him that I'm not in the mood, et cetera, et cetera. Quit pushing me. He's like, yeah, but listen to this podcast about low libido and responsive desires. Like, oh, Jesus. But, but you're so right. It's so interesting because it's not even yeah. about sex. You know, there's so many men would be happy if they were even cuddling or if they were even touching or if they were making yeah. out or like it doesn't, it's not even at all. Because I say to men all the time, so would you leave if she had a disorder that she um, had surgery on her vagina, she couldn't have sex with you for six months? This, of course not. Of course no man would leave his wife for no sex for six months because she has an actual reason. What they find crazy making is there's no reason. She says, we're yeah. fine. And she even says, we may do it tonight. And then tonight never happens, ever. Okay, so here's this guy trying to get his wife to be more open, trying to come to his side to empathize with him. Like, this sure. isn't all about sex. I think what you just hit on was... was a key point there. And what I call it is validation. Yes. All of, all of those little things you're, that a woman does, let me hold your hand, let me snuggle up to you on the couch and everything, shows you're still my man and you still got it. And that is everything to men. Everything, sure. everything. And unconsciously, women are very fine-tuned 
um, validating machines early on in the relationship. They, what's your favorite drink? I'll buy that drink for you. Yes, I'll go to that concert with you. Whatever they can morph themselves to kind of take the shape of the con- new container, which is their new boyfriend. And uh, that's men just we get re- energized by that. And every little thing is whatever you want, boyfriend that I'm so madly in love with. And uh, it's heartbreaking to see that slowly but surely get turned down. And what a lot of women don't realize is it doesn't take much to crank that knob back up. We're not talking full-blown pornography-type sex here, folks. We're just talking about the very basic little validating things. That's huge for a lot of guys. And women don't realize that. Um, Simple little text message. Thinking about you, handsome. Women do realize a lot of it, but they are so mad at a certain point. And when they are mad, then it all ends. Because then they're like, Mm. I don't even want to do anything nice at all. The resentment. Always up my ass for this. Yeah. And then, like, it's not like they don't. Because always they're nice on the guy's birthday, you know. Then they turn it back. So they obviously know what to do. It's really bad if you're not even getting birthday sex. You know, those people are yeah. their own category. But there's all these people that do get birthday sex and they get sex if they're really nice and this and that. But the woman is just so mad on a daily basis that she just don't want to do the nice little thing. When it's that bad, do you have a feel for what the success rate is for a man that finally says, I've tried all I can. I'm really trying here. I'm struggling. You know, the, I, I often say to men, you want to get to the point where you will sit down with the um, marriage counselor and the marriage counselor will start blurting off very boilerplate stuff. Like, you know, you need to get away from the children more and you need to, and the guy goes, I've asked my wife out on a date every weekend for the past two years. I've planned things away. And he goes, well, very good. Well, you know, you need to kind of help out around the house more. A lot of husbands don't do that. No, no let me stop you there. I, I, I help out. I do 70% of the housework, et cetera. Okay. Well, you know, and Sometimes we let ourselves go and the guy says, I've lost 50 pounds. I'm in the best shape of my life. And he just keeps knocking things off the checklist. And eventually you want the marriage counselor to turn to, turn to the wife and say, sweetheart, what the hell's wrong with you? <laughs> this guy's trying. Do you not sure. want to try or not? Yeah. Sure. But I mean, there are, of course, other reasons. I mean, the guy of the type that you're talking about frequently comes off like an asshole. He really does. He comes off like what I call in my writing, Mr. Perfect and his crazy wife. So if you really are the guy, I mean, there's a whole, there's a bell curve distribution of everything. So there's some guys that are really trying from their best self. But there's also some guys that are just coming in there, slamming through the housework. I'm super dad. I'm super husband. Look at me drop my 100 pounds. Here, I'm going to bench press you. And she's like, oh, just shut up, you know? Because this guy's kind of got to work on a little bit of humility, too. There are a lot of guys that get into, like, your podcast, like other podcasts like yours, and they get real high on life. And it's a little indistinguishable from being really arrogant because they mm-hmm. did just drop 50 pounds. They do. They are in the best shape of their life. And the girl at CrossFit is winking at them and then they do come off at home like a bit of an asshole so there is of course a little bit of a balance there and frequently if he hears some more with women that are well-intentioned and really want to stay in the relationship if they do go to couples counseling it's not going to be right away so you should tell that to your viewers it is not going to be right away that there's any sort of change men like mm. a change like that yes yeah. they need to bond they need to open up and maybe after like three six months then 
they're willing to say, okay, maybe I'll try to have sex when I don't want to and understand responsive desire. But he has to be open to hearing about both of how they grew up and all their expectations about marriage and everything mm-hmm. that he taught you against you. He has to be open to hearing it and he has to show some humility. Because a lot yes. of the guys in your situation of your followers are super proactive and they get a little too proactive. And then the woman's like, oh, here, oh, look, look, Mr. Perfect here running his triathlon. Cool, fuck you. You know, yeah, yeah. I don't want to really even hear about it. Mm-hmm. Point, you know? Because I think to those guys' point, they just hope that their wife is just like, well, look at Mr. Winner here. I know. That's, That's uh, like, hey, hey, you know, hey, ladies, this is my husband. Look at this, huh? And then that, that the woman will validate the hell out of him and go, yeah, you know, I'm, I'm on board. Well, there's a little bit more to it than that. I often tell guys, and any guys that have worked with me, I will say, you're going to have to be patient. It's, yes. Yes. Yes, I know we talked to one guy on our group who said only after a month of, of working on some stuff, everything just changed instantly. That's super rare. There's just super so many rare. There's so many resentments built in. There's so much baggage. She brings baggage to the table. You bring baggage. All that implodes and mixes all together. Now you have three kids. One of the kids is special needs. She got fired from her job. Just all these things just, you know, right. come on. Yes. And all of a sudden you're just like, I lost 50 pounds. Isn't that enough? No, it's going to take some work. And It's um, worse. You know yeah. how many guys come in and say, I lost 50 pounds. My wife wants to have less sex with me. I had a blog on my, um, a post on my blog like that. That's what the guy wrote in. That guy ended up getting divorced, by the way. The guy that wrote that in, if I lick you to it. But it was because like she was... She was like, oh, great, cool. Like, you know, when men and women go on a diet together, it's like always so depressing for the woman. It's like within two weeks, he's like gained like 10 pounds of muscle. He's lost five testosterone. Yeah. Yeah. She like gains 10 pounds. Like it's like very, it's terrible for the woman. So yeah, there is a balance between being like an alpha male, like men think that women want, but James Bond, and then actually being like also a nice guy still, you know, and and supportive guy. Yeah. Yeah, and, yeah, a sweet, and, so, and be able to cover versus the provider thing. Yeah, be able to empathize with her and her situation and realize where it is she's coming from. Um, you know what I found, which is interesting, you talked about a lot of women going to therapy and stuff. What I have seen um, through talking to my guys is their wife is very, very resistant to that. Um, and that it doesn't even need to involve him at all. That you, know, A lot of men that I yes. talk to, when I say, well... You're only one half of the equation, dude. You're talking about all these great things you're doing. Um, she's the other half of the equation. What kind of baggage does she bring to the table? And I yeah. will hear some pretty horrible stuff. Well, listen, was, the women. Yeah, she was yeah, abused. She sexually was sexually abused and all this. Yes, and, has, and then the follow-up to that is I always say to men, um, some of the best people I've ever known in my life have been through some horrible shit in their life. But they say, I've learned from it. I got help with it and I did everything to make sure that I don't reenact all that horrible shit that happened to me in childhood. What you mentioned earlier. Um, unfortunately, oh my gosh, that's so rare. Usually well, it's well, just la la la. I don't want to talk about it. I don't want to think about it. Same women that don't really want to have sex. I mean, so, you, so as, as you said before, like there's plenty of guys who did never had that like real high, hot and heavy honeymoon stage. Those guys, if they look back clearly, they were with an emotionally avoidant woman from the beginning. 
And emotional avoidance goes along with sex avoidance. Yes, there's a main effect of lowered libido within monogamy. However, again, there's a normal distribution. And when it just really totally goes away is usually when either partner, now about a third of my couples, the man is the lower libido. So in whichever um, whichever gender, the people who really never were really that into sex are also usually never, not really that into emotion. They're not that into vulnerability and intimacy. That's the point. They are scared of intimacy. And therapy is intimate. That's an intimate relationship where you're talking about yourself and your life yeah. and your past in a way that could be uncomfortable. So yes, people, the people that shy away from therapy are usually people that shy away from intimacy, emotional or physical. You know? Yeah, very good point. Very good point. And it, it surprises me how many women have that wall and they're not emotionally open or available in any way, shape or form. And just to say, you know, the husband saying, you have these issues, you often bring up these issues, you often bring up your past to me. What I found is that these women are pretty open about it. Like, let me tell you about this horrible experience with my stepfather. Let me tell you about this. And the man's just like, wow, have you ever talked to anybody about that? Well, F you. Okay. <laughs> I guess, I guess we're not talking about that. And the men will put the line in the sand and say, it's been years, we're disconnected, everything's been bad, you keep bringing up this horribleness of your childhood, you've never dealt with it, I'm here for you, I love you, you need to get some help with this, what do you say? And oftentimes the woman will they be say saying, no. no. Yeah, You're gonna no. break up our family for this? Absolutely. All right, it is what it is, and that's very tough for men. Um, that's after months, if not years, of trying and trying and trying on the man's part, and then finally he says, enough's enough. Um, sure, it's like very frustrating for people yeah. whose spouse will not get help. Yeah, I mean, it's just a frustrating thing. It, interesting, you mentioned, you said one-third of your patient population are men that are considered the low libido. Yeah. Do you and have you, do you have factors you think that contribute to that? Pornography, low testosterone? Pornography is terrible, low testosterone. I have actually, like, there's many guys that I'm like, have you ever got your testosterone evaluated? And they go, and they're like, oh. Like, I mean, uh, it, low, low T is real big for, um, for men who have low libido. The other one, um, usually for men that have like no libido is past trauma. If there has been a, an abuse history, if there is like, um, you know, if, if they have been, it doesn't even have to be sexual trauma. If there was a lot of physical abuse, emotional abuse, then that can really burrow its way into your self-esteem and just make yeah. it hard to be vulnerable at all. Um, but also depression, depression can be, you know, a real libido killer for especially men, you know, compared to what they usually are. I mean, there, there's a lot stress, but overall, like, oh, and also the one where the man's not really attracted to the woman, that's kind of a big one too, but they don't want to admit that. And really we cannot kind of talk about that openly that, unless I get the guy individually. You just hit on a big point there. Um, I will often hear from men how interesting this is. They will just go on and just read off a menu of, of stuff that I don't like about my wife. Yeah, it bothers me that she's very heavy and she doesn't want to do anything about it. Yes, she's very depressed and she will never get off the couch no matter what I do. Yeah, yeah, blah, 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 blah. And um, I will hit them with, so what exactly is it you want? Why are we talking? And the man yeah, will say, well, obviously, obviously because I want more sex. <laughs> it's like, you want more sex from the woman that you just painted in the most horrible way imaginable to me. Don't you think that she picks up on the fact that that's what you think of her? Because obviously that's yeah, kind of what yeah. she thinks of herself. And yet here you are saying, so are we going to do it or not? It's like, it, that doesn't compute. And then I will often ask these guys, do you even like your wife? 
and I know it's a problem when I get that 10 second pause. <laughs> That's yeah, bad. Sure. They don't eat. So to a lot of men listening to this, you're struggling and you're really wanting to, have you lost a connection to your wife that is more um, serious, sinister, I don't know what the term is, than just me want more sex. It's, that's not just it. It's you have lost that, that attraction. on some level, they think to themselves that if she was really amazing in bed, maybe it would. That would make up for all of that make other stuff. For this stuff, but it doesn't because that's never going to happen because you're looking at her sideways because you think that she's a fat sloth. So she's not exactly, that's not going to stoke her fire to put on lingerie for you. You know, like on my podcast, I had a guy who said he won't call his wife beautiful because he, she's heavy. So if he calls her beautiful, he thinks that that is um, reinforcing that it's okay that she's heavy. So he'll just say she's hot or sexy. But it's it's yeah, the opposite. If you if yeah. yeah yeah if you make her feel good about herself and you make her then feel comfortable, in her, there you go. She's way more apt to jump yeah. on board the fitness train with you and the eating healthy if she's sure. feels good. But if she doesn't, you know, you'll get the. It's funny how that works. It's the exact opposite, and that goes against the old male brain of one plus one equals two. It's very simple math. She's fat. Why would I call her beautiful? You know, she's right. this. Stop eating so much. It's very simple. Well, no, it's not so simple. It's a very complex issue of emotions and physical and everything else. What we're talking about in a roundabout way, tell me if you agree with me. A lot of people don't. Um, this marriage thing ain't so easy, easy in quotes. So when I listen to a lot of guys and they tell me this pretty horrible baggage that they bring to the relationship, that the wife brings to the relationship, et cetera, et cetera. Tell me how you and your wife met. I, I, I just, uh, I, I knocked her up by accident after our third date. Um, she was the first woman to ever have sex with me. We dated for six months and got married, et cetera, et cetera. Oh, tell me why is it you got married? And very often the, the answer is, it's just what you do. I don't know. That's all the thought they put into it. It's like a cultural thing. My mom and dad got married. My grandma and grandpa got married. It's just what you do. You meet a girl. Hey, you seem to like me well enough. Um, after doing this for so many years, my grand epiphany, if you will, is, you know, this marriage thing, at least the way we define it today, it ain't for everybody. At for least sure not for every, not. at least not for everybody right now in your life. You know, you're a 25 year old and you've got the world ahead of you. You may be ready when you're 35. You may be ready when you're 40. You're more mature. You're more whatever. You've, you've worked out a lot of issues in your life and now you'll be a good partner. Now you're ready to be. Um, a lot of hear, people hear me say that and go, ooh, mm, no. If, if we, and this is kind of a big, very big picture thing, if we put that narrative out there that marriage ain't necessarily for everybody, um, society as a whole will crumble. Well, I certainly don't think that. I mean, I, don't, I honestly don't think as many people are getting married now, and I don't think that, it, that it's going to keep dropping and dropping, and yep, I don't think that yep. that's bad necessarily because then there's less children and unhappy marriages. Thank you. Know? you. Exactly. Thank you very much. Yes. An unhappy marriage is the worst environment for a child. And so if people are getting married to have kids because they don't really even like the person, it's just what you do and they're on autopilot, that's not good for anybody. Plus men especially, I'm sure you speak to a lot of your guys, when they get into their 40s and they're back on the dating market, it's like shooting fish in a barrel. They're getting laid more than they know what to do with. But when they were 20, they couldn't find a woman to save their lives. Yeah. So you're a lot. The longer you wait as a man, the 
better you are. There are so yeah. many more women. You know yourself better. You're making money. You have a job. You're confident. You know yourself. Thank you. Have you. Some to talk yes. about. Men in their 20s, they are so scared. It's like what I call the golden vagina syndrome. It's like, oh, my God, it's a woman. Oh, am I going to do I got to keep her. Maybe yeah. I can marry her. Then I keep her forever. That is not how you want to make a long-term, no. your most important decision. Thank you. And it always surprises me. What I hear coming out of so many men's mouths is, you know, when they tell me they want to hang on to their spouse who they caught cheating for the sixth or seventh time, that um, she's on heroin and yada, yada, and she won't get help. And I'm like, what is it that keeps you attached to this woman so much? And very often, as a psychologist, you know this, a lot of their past trauma and childhood and stuff and who they attach to and who they're attracted to and codependency and all the other stuff. But what comes out of a lot of their mouths is, here's a 36-year-old guy going through this, and he's like, I'm not getting any younger. Like, like, yeah, no, people say that like, when they're like in their late 20s. People it's like, that doesn't apply that. to you, dude. <laughs> it's like, you have your whole world ahead of you. I was like, yeah. I know 50 some year old men who are just dating like crazy and just beautiful oh, women and they're yeah. having the time of their life. Yeah, it's also cognitive dissonance reduction. People don't want to say that they made a bad decision. People do not want to be like, yeah, when I was 22, that was the worst fucking decision I ever made was to marry this woman. So then they hold on to it. They forget I'm about make this work. Cost. Yeah, yep. it's like they, they'll hold on to it through hell and high water. And a lot of those guys end up just increasingly miserable over the years, but still oh, maintaining that the marriage was the right choice because they did it. So they have to kind of retrospectively say it was good. It was not a good choice. Yeah. Well, I'll tell you, a big chunk of my readership and membership in the group, I can tell we don't we, we keep politics out of it. We're pretty good about keeping politics out of the group. But I can tell by virtue of a lot of the things said, a lot of these men would be under the umbrella of traditional conservative guys. We have a lot of Midwestern right. guys and so forth. Yes. And um, very often I say they love to lean on the crutch of, hey, I made my vows. I'm yes. not about to call this quits. I'm a man, I'm, I'm a Christian. I'm a, um, I have several men from Jerusalem that I've talked to some really strict uh, Muslim men uh, who say, uh, by virtue of my faith, I can't just say, call it quits. Yes. I know she cheated six, seven, eight times. Yes. I know I caught doing all this horribleness, but I can't just walk away. I made vows and I want to make this work. And, um, they'll point to their mother and father. My mom and dad went through some issues. My mom had a long-term affair. They made it work. Yeah, well, that's exactly why they're doing that. And a lot of those men, by the way, have been the surrogate spouse emotionally to their mother through Bingo. all the years yep. of their childhood. So they mm. learn that, oh, I got to rescue a woman. I've been doing it since I was seven years old. Here, just another one down the pike. And so now I'm going to do it for the rest of my life. A lot of those men are in that role of a parentified child. That's what it's yep. called when a child is in the role of a parent to a very dependent a uh, fragile mother who had whether uh, depression, anxiety, alcoholism, schizophrenia, it could be anything, borderline personality. I mean, especially adult children of narcissistic mothers, They mm. these men mm. stay, the woman shits on them, they stay with her even faster. Like they just, they, they hang on tighter and tighter. They take care of a woman. And the ultimate fantasy is to rescue the woman in a way they could never rescue their mother. Yeah. And to finally be good enough that she's healed and she's never going to be healed. No, never, never. You know, there was a, um, a disturbing experiment, a science experiment I saw. It was a little video. It's like an old black and white video of uh, a little baby monkey. I can't remember oh, what. Oh, yes. This one. And they hook, hooked, it up to the, yeah, hooked it up to the machine 
and the machine uh, would basically hit it with a little rubber mallet. Oh and no, knock, I didn't know this one. Yeah, and it, it would knock the baby monkey across the cage. And the more abuse that little baby monkey got, the more attached it was to the machine. Aww, the machine terrible. was just like a little swath of carpet. That's all it knew ever since it was born. And so they found like, wow, it's just a natural instinct. The more we're pushed away as little kids, the more we want to attach. And we bring that into adulthood. Well, that's called preoccupied attachment. And a lot yeah. of your readers should read the book Attached. A lot of people yes. like that book Attached. There you go. Very good. So as you can see, we've already gone down 12 different roads and just with the grand topic of sex and marriage. Sure. That's, it's huge. It's it's sure. a deep ocean we're jumping into. It's not so easy as just, hey, uh, the woman should just put out and that's all there is to it. A lot of guys have that mindset of, um, I work 60, 70 hours a week. Uh, she, she said I do in the, in the chapel and uh, I don't understand. All I want is two times a week. She should just do that. There's some point to that, but to me and to others, we just go, there's a lot more to it to do than that. This is a very, like we said, it's a very deep issue here. There's a lot more to it than that. Yeah. And I understand you both made vows, but go ahead. I'm sorry. Well, I was going to say that's all well and good if the woman believes that. And a lot more women used to believe that, that used to be part of the marital contract that was implicit. And women didn't used to like kind of mind that. That was like um, a thing that we do. Maybe your libido did go down, but of course we still have sex. We're married. There was more of that. Nowadays, there's a lot less of that you know mm. there's a lot fewer women that believe that sex is part of the marital contract so when you're going back to what do people think that they should talk about or how to find the right partner i mean talking about your expectations for marriage is like major you know because yeah. a lot of the guys that you're talking to like i'm sure none of them have asked but they could picture that if they said to their wife back in the day um, so what do you think? What if your libido did go down? Would we have sex? The woman would not say yes. She would say no. I would think like if she had been actually directly asked, she would say, well, no, of course not. But that doesn't matter because my libido is going to stay up. But if a man does some research, she's like, well, she doesn't know that it's going to go down. And she literally just said we wouldn't have sex. Mm -hmm. like, it's funny, like how many men do not ask their girlfriends difficult questions. A, they don't like conflict, but B, they're putting the princess on a pedestal, yeah. you know, and they don't want to think anything bad about her. It's the same bull in the china shop thing you were just talking about. Oh, well, of course, you know, she thinks what she thinks. I'm sure she'll change. I'm sure she'll grow. I'm sure she would never really deny me. Bullshit. She would say it if you yeah. asked her. Yep. Yep. Exactly right. You know, direct um, communication is so key. I talk to people <clears throat> all the time about direct communication within yeah. the dating stage, you know? Yep. Hugely important. You know, it, it, it sounds so cliched communication, communication, communication. Um, men that I talk to take that in the wrong direction, though, and they take it to a very pitiful, kind of needy. So example, uh, we haven't had sex in six months. The man will sit down with the woman and go, is it that you just don't love me? You don't want me? What's wrong with me? Why won't you do that? Is it, is it your hormones? What's wrong with you? Et cetera, et cetera. And the woman's like, this isn't the a, a grand, a better version of the talk is something to the effect of, I love you. That's why I made vows with you. That's why I married with you. I want to be with you until the day I die. But obviously we're disconnected here. And can you work with me to bridge that gap? And date again and no and just so you and i often tell men to say this just so you know i don't mean let's jump into bed right this moment um, because i don't want a mannequin that just lays there and says hurry up that's not we need to get reconnected again before we do that so i don't want you to think i'm just doing this to get my needs met i can take care of myself if i need to in that way i don't want to do that i want us to get back together again and, and be a couple again and so forth that's, that's nice for women that are not totally 
that's nice for nice women. <laughs> but that are not totally if, shut down. If yeah. If there, there's also women that, by the way, um, respond to a, a super dominant approach that men don't want to take because they're scared mm. to take it because they don't want to be thought of that they're doing something bad or chauvinistic. Yeah. There are a lot of women that will respond to the man being like, um, you know, I will not have sex with you if that's how you're acting. And I say that to my male clients. I say if she does the thing where she lays like a starfish, just stop. Flip the script. Yeah, exactly. I, that's exactly like, what I tell men. No. Say, I don't want to do it like this. Tell me yeah. when you're in the mood. This isn't working Thank for you. Me. If you do that enough, the woman gets really weirded out because she starts to think he like must have something else going on if he doesn't want to have the starfish sex. So then if frequently she'll initiate something else or bring out the big, you know, the bells and whistles that she did in sure. for a while. There you go. Really weirds them out if you say no to the starfish sex. Yep. In a positive I, I, way. I'm glad to hear you say that. I put that in my book is uh, a lot of yes. men say, what if I pick up on the fact that this is pity sex? And I can see in her face and in her mannerisms that she's not into it. And I say, what an awesome thing it would be if your, if your husband were to say, I can see you're not into it. And sweetheart, I'm a big boy. That's okay. Yeah. Right. Really? We could, we could just watch TV tonight. That's cool. And she'd be like, but I know you want it. So let's just do it. No, no, that's cool. I would much rather you be really into it. Da, da, da. Let's wait till next weekend when we go out and et cetera. And she will respect you more like, oh, all right. And you're right. It will, it will light a little bit of fire under that little anxiety of, Weird her out totally. She'll be yeah. like, "Where else is he getting it from?" Is it that? Is it Especially that blonde secretary at work? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> when I'm in couples counseling with people, I say to them, "Man, you should stop masturbating." I don't like that idea of the outlet. The outlet does not help anything. The outlet makes him think that this is a less urgent situation than it is because mm. he gets used to 10 p.m. Okay, I jerk off. No. What if you don't? Then you're going to start to really realize pretty quick that you're in a dire situation. And mm. the woman, frequently the woman has this like, um, she's soothed by the idea that he jerks off because she thinks it's the same like, thing yeah, in her sure. mind. He, took, he so, takes care of himself. Yeah, 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 so, yeah, yeah. He's fine, you know? Mm -hmm, so if I tell mm -hmm. him to stop, she gets real weirded out because then she's like, uh, if he's listening, he hasn't got off in two weeks either. What's happening? What's he going to go do? Yeah. Which is, people did not used to masturbate in marriage. I mean, you're, you're, you know, your constituency of the conservatives know this, that it's not supposed to be something that you do as a married man or a, in general, you're like not supposed to as a religious person. So fine, when you're single, jerk off all you want. But once you're married, I don't think it's doing anybody any favors, not the women either, because there's a big one. Yeah. Oh, get her in touch with her body. She's in touch with her body. Now she prefers the vibrator and she'll do it at night for 30 seconds and go right to sleep and not involve you at all. So if there is anything less than a good sex life, nobody should be masturbating. And quite honestly, once you get to your 30s and beyond, if you do have a good sex life, nobody should be masturbating either because you probably can save it and be happier. Yeah, get the sex. energy out in other ways. Yes. Yeah. And you talk about with men and masturbation. Uh, nowadays, what that means is pornography because it's so readily available and so free. Yeah. And that has a whole other host of issues of is why is that a bad thing necessarily that a man is looking at, you know, 19 and 20 year old, perfect women, yeah, you know, doing two, anything two that he wants, anytime, he wants, yeah. any search term, your wife is never going to be the equivalent of that. And Can't many women are, that. yeah, many women Can't are very weirded out knowing yeah. that he's looking at yeah. that. It's a pornography. Pornography is an interesting, insidious, and I'm not a, 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 I'm not a very socially conservative guy by any means. Uh, uh, I think, Pornography can be something that you utilize as a couple together. It can be sure. a sexy addition to the relationship, and it can be a little kinky thing you do together. Um, but uh, I often say to men, it's it. 
having sex with a woman is supposed to be you meet each other, you both click, you talk, you click at a, a, a physical level, at an emotional level, intellectual level, and you get to know each other to the point where you're both comfortable enough to take your clothes off and do the, the most intimate of deeds. Um, so that's a kind of a drawn out process. Sometimes not so much, but um, porn is click, click, done. And it just short circuits yeah. the they entire don't have process. To put in any work too. So when men, especially it's, young yeah. men, there was some terrifying study years ago that like some large percent of young men would rather watch porn than go have sex. Crazy! Like you would think that that would never happen, but mm-hmm. dude, it used to be porn like this. It's basically like virtual reality at this point. So for men that have any social anxiety at all. The idea of going talking to a woman in a bar when instead you could pretend that these three women and the yak or whatever you googled is doing it for you. Yeah. I mean, why not? I could pull up to I could pull up to Mac, I could pull up to McDonald's, spend five bucks, and have a hamburger in about a second. Or I can go buy the ingredients at the grocery store, come home, exactly. cook it. And that's the, how they're thinking about it. Yeah, it's that's too much trouble. Uh, who has time for that? And uh, I got I got video games to play. You know, and also, I never realized before I was working in the field for long enough that men actually think sex works like porn. I thought that was a myth. So women don't believe that's true until you talk to as many guys that tell you if they really do think it works like porn. That is shocking to a woman. That really they think that a woman can come that fast from from that type of stimulation. She's going to be that excited, make those noises. Oh, my God. It's so so interesting how many men I talk to. They're super high achieving, super smart. They're like in their 30s. And I'm like, you know, it never, ever is like that, right? And they're like, well, no. I mean, I know women's never going to be that hot. And I'm like, no, 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 none of that is like how it really is. Unless a woman wants to give you a treat and act like that, that's never how a woman has an orgasm. Not ever, ever. They're like, really? What are the differences? And then I enumerate them. But yes, porn is terrible for teaching men sex. And a lot of men use it to teach them sex terrible it's a good idea for women to watch some porn to learn what to give a man on a special occasion but it's it doesn't have anything to do with what a man should do for sex they don't have any porn where it's like a man going down on a woman for 20 minutes after they have a deep conversation and for the first 19 of those minutes you think she might have died and then in the last minute she has an orgasm nobody's watching that video but plenty of men are having that in their life and that's like the only way their wife gets off they have no idea because all they watch is the woman who you lick her and oh my god she has 20 orgasms in a row no that's not real Mm-hmm. Smart guys think this. Some of your listeners and and watchers. Are oh, I'm sure. But yeah. I tell you, uh, it, it surprised me how um, how little experience men have with women prior to marriage. You know, yes. One of the yeah. And building on that, yeah. my favorite mm-hmm. topic to talk about for a male audience is all these men think that these women that they slept with before their wife were having orgasms. <laughs> <laughs> so sorry to tell them. I have otherwise very intelligent men that are like, oh, no, no, I know, I know. I'm like, how do you know? And meanwhile, I could get a couple in two individual sessions, and she's like, no, I barely ever have an orgasm. He's like, well, at least I'm grateful that she has an orgasm every time. It's like, you don't know shit. You know, women know how to fake pretty good. It's not like the idea of a muscle contraction is rocket science. So, you know, it's like when Harry met Sally, but women are way better than that. So what I entreat men to consider as a thought experiment is why don't you go based on that 
none of them ever had an orgasm before your wife and go into it assuming you need to learn it from the ground up and you do with every individual woman anyway but a lot of men have this hubris coming from these episodes in college where i tell them they're all auditioning to be mrs whatever your name is so every woman you banged in college was auditioning to be mrs ralph so sure every prospective mrs ralph was coming the minute you looked at her has nothing to do with reality it, it's not fair. It's not fair to compare. And this is a great lead into my next question. It's not fair to compare the energy, the act, if you will, the Uber validation, all that other stuff that happens in a brand new one night stand, new relationship, your fling of six months. Yeah. That is a completely different energy than wife, three kids, mortgage. Oh, et cetera, yeah. Et I mean, those completely are like different energy. But I tell you on both sides, Every newly divorced person can tell you this. When you get a taste of that new relationship energy all over again after being in a ho-hum relationship for 15, 20 years. That's which very I can, addictive. I can raise my hand and say, there, yeah. Um, and I've heard plenty of men saying, now that I've had a taste for that again, by virtue of dating and meeting some pretty women, they, they find me handsome, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, I can't go back. There's no way I can go back to the that old... Uh, yeah, domestic. Ninety-five percent of them end up remarried. Yeah, they do, <laughs> don't they? Yeah, there's that drive to pair bond and go through life with somebody. Yeah, for real. Yeah. I mean, that's something that you can't eradicate in humans, but hopefully, in the second go round, they're at least drawn to the women. They've done some introspection and they're drawn to the women. What I always say, actually, as a pragmatic tip for your followers, is yeah, everybody's sex drive is going to go down over time. That's a female, but if you get a woman with a physical touch, love language then you got your best chances. So a woman that you see as a big cuddler, hugger, and kiss her all the mm. time, you got the best chance with that woman for, in, in a, like in a in first marriage, people don't know shit, but in a second marriage, at least go for the woman that herself likes physical touch. Because even when her sex drive is down, she's still gonna wanna do the cuddling and all that kind of stuff mm. that can lead to the sex. How much, have, how pliable do you think a, the love languages are in terms of? Zero, goose egg, none. Really? So none. you haven't you haven't seen where a woman will say to a husband, let's say for example, she's just really not into the husband through, she never has been, or she's resentments have built up and he goes to give the hug and she does the old, and she will say, you know, I took a test and my love language is physical touch, ain't it, sweetheart? But then divorce happens, et cetera, et cetera. And she's just sees a new man and she says, you know what? I don't mind him touching me. Or he doesn't me mind him for 18 months to two years because that's a period of limerence that's, that's evolutionarily mediated. And if he fails, because that's as long as it takes to meet a man, get pregnant, have a baby, and finish nursing the baby while he brings you go. food and stuff. Yeah. And then while baby's weaned, man can go. So if he fast forwards five years into his ex-wife's new relationship, that guy is going to be in a desert as well. So given that that limerence, new relationship energy, honeymoon stage, whatever we want to call it, is not the, quote, real, if you want to call it that. That's not a good uh, basis for what's this person going to be like as a long-term partner 20 years down the line. That ain't it. Yeah, so given that, is there a recommended time period of courtship of dating so we can get a glimpse of the real her? Three, four no, years? Five years? No, the, no because the limerence stage, which is a psychological word for the infatuation stage, can exist until uncertainty is resolved. So definitionally mm. until the wedding night. Definitionally. There you go. If you keep it going 
or for as long as until she's like humiliated by the fact you won't propose to her and then she emotionally checks mm-hmm. out. So yeah, I, I say, I, yeah. yeah. I think this is insanely interesting and I love talking about this, but some men listen to this and go, oh, holy shit, excuse me, what? Um, then why should I get married? That's how important that uber validation, limerent state, uber sexuality, all that stuff is to a man. You know, like what I say, when a man is divorced and he's freshly, he goes, I'm not getting rid of this. Then he's like, why should I marry again? So what I say to those men is the following. A, 33% of the women who have divorced from my estimate and from some statistics I have read, well, not just that of divorce, but it, in relationships, are the higher sex drive partner. So wouldn't it be a wonderful state of events for a man who had been in a sexless marriage to pair up with a woman who had been in a sexless marriage or who didn't get enough hugs and kisses and love in her in her physical touch love language. That's the ideal state. And I see this sometimes in second marriages as two people that had felt very physically lonely yeah. get together. The yep. second best is just a woman with a physical touch love language that you know is going to hug you and kiss you and want back rubs and want to touch. These men here are offering their wives back rubs and the woman says no. I'm sure a lot of your followers, you know, it's a sad situation because she just hates touch. What the hell are you going to do? A woman just hates touch, except yeah. get into a time machine and say, forget it. So she's all, you know, she's all touched out by the kids all, all day. Touch, all touched out can resolve. And also breastfeeding actually changes your hormones into menopause. Oh, yeah. So that can remit. But if I'm talking about the guys, frequently men do not leave women with, or and women don't leave men when the kids are real little. But when they hit school age, that's when you could tell what it's going to be like for the rest of your life. Mm. And if that's yeah. not good, go to couples counseling slash leave. Yeah, interesting. So and the fact deserves that, to be like that. I agree with you 100. percent And you know we're there is a large population of people out there that listen to this and say, okay, so you're saying that when you enter into this long-term domesticity and comfort and so forth, so forth, that it, it's known to reduce that sexual desire and the activity between the couple, usually initiated by the woman, the downturn. Well, there's a solution to this. And that is this thing called maybe polyamory or swinging yes. open relationships. In other words, keep that limerence, holy shit level of, sexual desire like keep lighting the fire light the fire light the fire light the fire um your thoughts on that some people do that some men in particular want to do the hot well well you're talking so polyamory like she could go and have that whole new relationship energy with another guy but that usually does not make the husband that happy unless he's off having his fun with another woman so like he could do that but the most of the relationships i see like that don't last because then kind of after a while why are we married we're each kind of dating separately but um, what a lot of the men like to fantasize about is the hot wife thing. So the woman goes out for somebody else and then she comes back all excited. Sometimes this works, but usually she's all excited about the guy she yeah. just had sex with, you know. So that doesn't really seem to me to – some people it can work. There was some New York Times article about like seven couples that have been doing polyamory for like 20 years. Cool. That's great. But I think that they're outliers. I think yeah, that, exactly. you know, generally if the goal is to amplify the union – like introducing some new penis to her. I mean, how does this make any sense, right? She's just gonna like the new penis. Good job, but is yeah, it really yay. Good it's um, uh, yeah. The fact that I think a lot of men in that situation eventually come to terms with the fact of, oh, my wife is back and she's sexier than ever solely because we of another guy of another guy. <laughs> so what does that make me? It basically makes me a safe 
comfortable home base to come home to. Yeah, you know, she said, the, I, the ATM. Yeah. You the know? ATM, the the comfort, the well, in a lot of cases with the with the guy being the stay at home husband, it's uh, he's just the comfort. He's just all that domesticity and everything she always wanted, but the fire's not there anymore. But it is with that guy and that guy and that guy. Right now, there are some people, but these people were kinky before. Like if you introduce this idea to like basically a woman who's monogamous in her heart, and you introduce, oh hey, look over there, it's Sven, isn't he hot? She's your compare bond to Sven because she's a pair bonder. Yes. But yep. if there's people who meet like on a lifestyle website, they're like in, you know, what's that place in Jamaica, whatever that place is. And they're like all in their lifestyle resort and they meet and they decide this is what we are going to do for our life. Cool. Maybe you will. But yep. for a monogamous man in like Texas who goes to church to decide that this is the way that he's going to make his wife like him again. I don't think so. I think no, that he would no. be much better off with couples counseling that focuses also on the sex piece. Yeah, Which is I, I, so much. I had a guy who reached out to me and said, um, they did, his wife came to him and said, Hey, how about open marriage? Which from what I've seen about 90% of the time means I've kind of already started forming a relationship with another man. Can you absolve yeah. me of this guilt? And, right. and the women, and the women are smart and they will say, and by the way, you know what this means? You can go out and have other women too. And the man's like, Ooh, I didn't think about that. And what happens is he gets next to nothing and she's off having the time of her life. And one guy said, the wife came back and said, um, I've been seeing John over here, you know? Yeah. And um, I think I want to be with him from now on. I'm sorry, this just happened. It's like, yes. well, but I thought we were in an open relationship. He said, well, the thing is that John doesn't believe in open relationships. So we can't yes, continue on in that. <laughs> so yes, I, mean, I pair, pair bonded with yeah. a new guy. Yeah. yeah, pair bonded with a new guy. And what is interesting is that all those guys that try the open marriage in their 40s and they get nothing because that if they were single, they'd be getting a lot. So that's an interesting thing. If those guys are like trying to test run in some way, like how am I going to do on the dating market? As soon as you have ethically non-monogamous in your relation, in, in your profile, all those hot young uh, 20 girls, they don't want you. That's like gross to them. But as soon as you're actually single, have at it. A lot of them yeah. will find you attractive again. So it's not a good test run. Whereas for a woman, if she writes ethically non-monogamous, the door breaks down. The guys are trying to get in for no strings attached sex. Yeah. Who doesn't want that, right? It's, a it's totally different world. gender different. Yeah, different world completely. Yes. Well, it's been great. It's Well, it's been over an hour now. Uh, anything we need to plug, drpsychmom.com, D-R-P-S-Y-C-H.com, drpsychmom. Yes, Dr. Psych Mom, that is my website. Of course, people can also come and uh, talk to me for individual therapy or counseling. Um, they could find my contact information at samantharodman at gmail.com, but they could find that on my website. And also, wherever you listen to podcasts, I'm on Spotify, Apple, everywhere with the Dr. Psych Mom show. So if you subscribe to that, I also accept a lot of um, suggested topics. I'm not fancy like you. It's just me talking for 20 minutes. I've never had a guest. <laughs> if I do, I'll get you on. But it's well, just easy for me to just do it in my car and just while I'm waiting for pickup. Oh, that's awesome. So you just and your phone on the on the car? Oh, yeah. Car? I totally oh, that's awesome. I record them. I never have any notes. I don't have like some cool microphone like you. It's just me talking to my phone for 20 minutes. I could talk well, that's endlessly. Good. So if you, you ever want you me are, and you're pumping out content like crazy. How often are you doing the podcast? I do podcasts like three times a day whenever I have an idea. They're only wow. 20 minutes. So I just talk. And I do like at least two blog posts a week. And I'm always on social media. So if anybody wants to follow me, there's so many ways to follow me so they can follow me. 
Well, you're really uh, setting the bar, though. It's it's hard to keep up with you. I mean, I thought I was doing good with like once a week kind of podcast or something. I was like, oh, jeez, nothing like this. So in the car with the phone, that's the key. In Just the forget, the forget this whole yeah, forget your whole thing. fancy setup. You got to do it right from your phone. Yeah. Whenever the kids are at soccer practice, you go into the car and do it. <laughs> there you go. There you go. Well, uh, Dr. White, I'm sorry, the name I have in front of me. Oh, Dr. Samantha Rodman Whiten. Doctor, thank you so much. Thank you for having me. Anytime. Yes, this is awesome. And yeah, I would love to have you back on because like I say, we have, this was just sex and marriage and you saw where it took us. Yes, and, everywhere. Uh, uh, one, another big topic I'd love to chat with about sometime is your childhood baggage and how that uh, affects your relationships yeah. moving forward in life. Oh boy, that's huge. Yes, that would be a huge one. Yeah. All right, All doctor. Right. Thank you so much. Thanks so much. You have a good one. You Appreciate too. It. See you later. Bye-bye. If you're listening to this, you're probably a guy who is interested in self-improvement. You probably consume a lot of information, like these podcasts, YouTube videos, audiobooks, courses, everything you can to learn more and help you become the best man that you can be. And if you're like a lot of men, there's something still missing. Well, I can tell you what that missing thing probably is. Quality time with other men that are on the same mission as you. Some of you probably have casual relationships with your fellow soccer dads or the occasional beer with guys from the neighborhood, but none of them seem to be on the same page as you. Am I right? They seem content with their shitty marriages, their shitty jobs, and their expanding waistlines. They have all but given up. You find yourself talking to them about the same football teams, listening to their stories about their subpar home life, and you're getting to the point where you dread hanging around them. Well, the good news is that we have assembled a group of men just like you. We call our group the DSO Fraternity. We have live Zoom meetings that are hosted by yours truly, along with the other members of the DSO team. We have a very active private discussion forum, a Discord server for our lifetime members, a members-only podcast, access to my books in audiobook and PDF format at no extra charge, Discounts on one-on-one coaching with myself and other members of the team. Discounts on our video courses and access to our in-person gatherings. We have met in Nashville, Tennessee, Austin, Texas, Las Vegas, Australia, Amsterdam, and soon in New Orleans. So check it out, the DSO Fraternity at dsofraternity.com. We have monthly, annual, and lifetime membership options available. I think you will find our group is the missing piece of the puzzle that you have been looking for.